Hello and welcome to the Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, we are talking to Jai Mays. Hello. How are ya? I am doing well. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm super excited. We just met. Yes. And we haven't really even spent time together. So this is our first date, per se. (laughs) (laughs) Our first hangout date, per se. So let's tell everybody who you are, and then we'll dive in. How's that sound? Okay, fantastic. My name is Jai Mays, president of Mays Freight Solutions. We are a certified woman-owned third-party logistics firm. Right. And we move freight nationwide. We move into Canada. We take care of everything that you can look and see on your body, around your house, in your office. We ship it all, except for people and animals. Yeah. And (laughs) Christmas trees, probably. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Depends on how messy they are. (laughs) So you're the first person that's ever given us your bio. I like it. You just covered everything in your bio. You know your bio. Yeah, I do. I like it. I have to do keynotes, and so I have to send that stuff over all the time. Right. And so here's a... You know how else you know you're successful? I've said this on the on the um, podcast quite a few times. But the shorter the bio, the more successful you usually are. Yeah. You know, I look at everyone as 10-second toms. Right. 10 seconds. They glance at it. Boom. Nobody reads further. Right. I like it. So, yeah. Good I, thing you're not in marketing, right? I'd have some competition. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly how it is, right? Less is more. Did I read somewhere that, so you're the owner of mm-hmm. Maze Freight Solutions, 100% owner? No. Okay. So there are partners. Okay. And uh, Nicholas Ruffin is our VP of Ops. Washinda okay. Harrell is our VP of Sales. It started with my husband and I. He is the co-founder and then okay. he turned trustee. So I am the president and co-founder and I own, a, I'm the majority, majority. stockholder. And- but Washinda Harrell came in a few months after we started, and it's kind of been a dynamic duo. Women, cool. let's get this party started. Let's move freight and get shit done. Did I read somewhere that you're one of the only African-American women in this space? It shouldn't be. You know, I yeah. don't think we are. I've got okay. to do further. Re- no, we aren't the only African-American. In Kansas City, maybe? Is that in what Kansas I read? City, maybe. Okay, okay. In Kansas City, is but it across the globe, heavy no. Heavy-dominated women industry anyways? No. Freight? Okay. Yeah. No. This yeah. is a male okay. industry. It's a male industry. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Um, How did you get into it? You know, I worked for an award-winning company, Freight Quote, for almost 10 years. Okay. And I was top sales. Nice. Um, top 10, yes. So I kind of covered both top female, top. Um, African-American. So I kind of covered both of that. And I knew how to connect with customers. I knew how to build relationships. Wait, did they have awards for races? No. Oh, you just said top African-American. So yeah, because it's really not that diverse. Okay, but you, the just, transportation, you were the top person there. Yeah, I was the top person there out of all of these males. Okay. Yeah, out of all of Got these it. males, I was the top. So I was like, wait, I don't know if they should be doing that. No, <laughs> no, that. they don't. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, usually in every corporation, you can probably count out how many in diversity is there. Right. So it's like a, a kind of a, wow, Jai, you know, you did that at top 10 with all these yeah. males. Yeah. So that kind of is a good thing, right. you know, for me. And so we, I developed a good relationship with customers. I knew how to retain a customer and I knew how to get get shit done. Right. And so I excelled at it. Right. And I looked around and I said, you know what, there's not much diversity. Yep. And there's not much, uh, many women in this thing. And then I saw that there was a lot of opportunity on the table for women. Yeah. Being woman owned. So I said to myself, self, yeah. 
you can do this. Let's go do it. So my husband encouraged me big time. Okay. He's like, hey, if they can do it, and I know how shady they are, not Frey quote, but <laughs> yeah. other people, right. you know. Right, 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 Um, Then you can do it. You can definitely do it. You can bring diversity into it. You can give a lot of people hope, and you could bring about change in the transportation sector. So when was that? What 2017. 2017. 2017. What was he doing at the time? My husband? Mm-hmm. Working for the United States Postal Service. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. you both left jobs? We No. Jumped in? Oh, no, okay. thank God, no. If, if he'd have left his, we wouldn't have any health insurance. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah he's got good health insurance. He's got good health so insurance. So he was a co-founder just as in like a support? Exactly. Kind of? okay. As a support, yes. We okay. usually do everything pretty much together. We have run the foundation together. We okay. have a publishing company together. So... It's just. Did you have those businesses before? No. Now you're just all in. Now no, you're so man. entrepreneurial. You're like, yeah. You what's can't, next? Why not? Right. That's why not? How I am. <laughs> um, I'll tell you why not. And I probably screamed right there because I got loud in my own ear. I'll tell you why not because every other business book you read says to. Fo- so here's what I find with entrepreneurs, and then I read all these books to try to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. I'm like let's do this thing let's do this thing but then when you read the stats of why certain things don't last it's because an entrepreneurial mindset's like jump 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 Mm -hmm. good starters not always good finishers so I think that's why people would say why not how do you overcome that well my what I do the Mays Foundation we're giving back so why would I stop that right you know that's charity as far as publication my husband's a good writer we co-write but he's the writer so you know we just have a publication company where people who write yeah. And have books. They can just go publish it with us or, right. you know, so am I really doing anything? Nah. Yeah. You know, with the foundation, the foundation kind of runs itself. Yeah, we coordinate and we do that, but we can do that in our spare time sitting in our beds. Nice. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. As far as freight, we have a full team. I totally agree on focusing on one thing because you hate to be spread too thin. Right. Correct. But when you have simple things and you have support behind you. So my husband runs the foundation support part okay okay see how that works yep and then as far as the public yeah that's kind of his thing and he's a writer we co-wrote the book together finding your toddler ambition but he has a whole sci-fi sector that he's doing oh wow yes so that was pretty easy and so he runs that as well i mainly focus on maze freight solutions and right now we are focusing on the foundation but i'm able to juggle both right now um why sci-fi is he just into sci-fi? He's just into, you know, he's into Christian, like, uh, religious sci-fi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was some weird it. sci-fi show on Netflix yesterday, and I, I'm not really, I don't partake myself as a sci-fi person, but mm-hmm. I got super into the show, and then I was like, oh, it's a sci-fi show. I think my 13-year-old was like, yeah, that's a sci-fi show, Mom. I'm like, oh, I didn't know about this. <laughs> well, you know, supernatural. Right. People, yeah, stuff like that. So, you know, there's a there's a large audience for that. Um, How long y'all been married? We've been married now for eight years, going on eight years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you were already at, about at the old old job before you met him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How'd you guys meet? You know what? That's a funny. That's a funny thing. We um, just learned three years ago how we met. Um, we finally pinpointed that we were out at a nightclub for my girlfriend's fortieth uh, birthday party. Okay. And I think it's either her fortieth or her forty fourth no it was her 40th it was her 40th and I just remember him because he has a young baby face yeah very young and I asked him I said what are you doing in here you're too young to be in here he's six years older than I okay so he's (laughs) he's almost 45 but he has this young baby face and so we 
that night he had moved here from his from Chicago with his with the United States Postal Service. I was partying with my girlfriend, so you know we're feeling free. It's good. Yeah. Next thing you know, we don't remember. Um, he texts me about three months later and says, "Hi, uh, Miss Jai, how are you?" And I'm like, "Well, who are you?" Right. And you had given him his number. Your yeah. Number that night? Yeah, okay. I gave him my number. He was so cute, but he looked so young, and right. he was so cute. And I said, well, who are you? How do I know you? He said, I don't know. And I was at the Lake of the Ozarks at the time. And I said, well, okay, bye. Well, he just found your number in his phone? He just found. Here's what he was doing. He said he was going through his phone, deleting all the women in there because he was over women. He was over (laughs) it, and he just wanted to focus on himself for a while. He was over women, and, you know, he wanted to focus, get himself together, and then he'll jump back in and take another girlfriend when he's done. But he said he ran across my phone number and my name, and it said Miss Jai, and he says, well, who is that? I don't remember. And it was a very drunken night. And so I got a text, and I asked who it was. He said, I asked if I remember how I met him. He says, I don't know, and I let it go. When I got back from the Ozarks, something in me said, text that number back. And I text that number back. And so we talked for about two weeks on the phone, via phone, sent pictures. He would send me a stick figure. I'm like, could you send me a picture of what you look like? And he draws stuck, you know, he he drew a stick figure and he (laughs) took a picture of it and he sent it to me. I said, come on. And so we had a date night that we had planned after two weeks of talking. And I was like, do I really want to go? Do I really want to go? And so I kind of stood it up. I was like, you know, I'm babysitting my nephew. My sister is here. And he's like, well, can I just come over? And I'm like, Aggressive. Okay, yeah, we can come over and watch a movie. He says, well, do you want me to bring anything to drink? And my sister's in the background, yes, Bacardi. So, <laughs> of course, you know, she gets in on the freebies. Right. So, <laughs> yes, Bacardi. So he brings over Bacardi. And when I met him, when I opened the door, I couldn't not be with him. Really? From that day right then. forward. From that day forward. And so we came. he came in. We talked. For some reason, we got on talking about the Bible and I told him I said you know what I don't want to talk about this until I go get my Bible because I'm a big reader like you can't tell me something and I'm not going to go research it so I go get it and when I come back with my Bible he says marry me wait the first day the first day okay what'd you say and I said oh that's like the movie Frozen I know right (laughs) I said I can't marry you I've got too many issues going on I can't marry you and he just looked at me and said, I'll wait. And from that day forward, we were together every single day. And we've been together now going on eight years. Yeah. How October, long before you guys got married? Six months. So we, no, a year. Yeah. Okay. A year. So we dated for a year, moved in. So I'm going to be honest with you. In six months, we moved in together. So my husband and I. Yeah. You know, come on. I got to see what you're right. living like. <laughs> I got to see, do you leave your drawers on the vent <laughs> or do you not? And do you shower every day you know because you know when we meet men we get their representative everybody gets their representative Uh, because you know you want to be that perfect person or you really let you into them so you you pulling out your a game but where's your d game i need to see that the bad days yeah the bad days and so what issues did you were you talking about what do you mean issues you said i got too many issues going on oh girl well i'm not do i you know what i'm gonna give you the raw i was in sugar daddy heaven okay okay yeah yeah so that's what i, I dated older men okay yeah the reason why i'll tell you the reason this guy why. was only five years older yeah he was right? only six years older oh, right. six years older six the guy older. you were supposed to be dating <laughs> right. exactly i dated older men and um i had one friend who would he was um 
big, big, big insurance guy. But when he would come in town instead of the hotels, he would stay with me. And it was okay because it was just like the hotel and it was it was more comfortable for him. But he would always, you know, make sure I was well financially taken care of just for that. And so when I met my husband, I told him straight off the back that I know we met and we're friends and all of this is great. But my friend comes in town and he uses my apartment. You know, it's a two bedroom. He sleeps there and. He gives me a lot of money for saying so. Right. You know, I can't mess this up right now. What'd your husband say? He told me, he says, thank you so much for being honest with me. Right. But then it, I cut it off. I was too in love. You were in love. With I'm it. in love, so I cut everybody off. Listen, everybody. we're going to get into the sugar daddy thing for a second because we live in Kansas City. So I think this is a taboo topic in Kansas City. Uh-huh. I lived in Dallas for a really long time. Oh, where yeah. This is where this was invented. It was yeah. Dallas, Texas, okay? Is <laughs> Dallas, Texas. Uh and I never had anybody staying with me for money, but we definitely would invite older gentlemen out to be out with us when we would go out in our early 20s to pay for everything, right? Yeah. Like if we wanted to go to a really nice steak dinner and we couldn't afford you it. You couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford it. You couldn't but afford it. I was in the steak dinners all the time. And all your the boyfriends, time, right? the boyfriends your age, they right. couldn't afford they it. They couldn't afford it. Uh, so I've I've had friends that have made these full-time careers in Dallas, Texas, right? Yeah. A uh, couple of them even ended up marrying... And and got wonderful settlements on the back end. Get Anna Nicole started her career in Texas. Exactly. So I think that um, this is where I'm at on the whole thing. Now that I'm, I just turned forty this Mm -hmm. year. Um, I've gained a lot of weight in the past three years. So now I'm really having to work off my smarts and not my looks so much. Is Mm -hmm. what I say. So I've been like really processing my twenties a lot recently (laughs) because I kind of wish I was still there, but I'm trying to see why you got to grow old, I guess. Here's what I find so fascinating about this is that it's such a taboo topic. Like, I lo- first of all, I love Cardi B because I love how she was like, I used stripping to get to where I needed to get to. Like, it was a filter for money to make my album, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think that led into other people being like, like, we're just now starting to talk about it, yet we're still doing it at just a different level. So I'm in social media, so... Instagram influencers, the biggest Instagram influencers out there are 20-year-olds in their bikinis, right? You know, I just made a post about that. Did you? Because I had to jump on Instagram. So my PR lady said, so you got to get on Instagram, girl. And I'm like, oh, gosh. She's okay, right. here we go. She's so right. I get on Instagram and I see all of these bikinis mm-hmm. and uh, bathing suits. And I said, well, damn, do I have to post half-naked pictures just to be relevant? Right. And... A lot of people come on there and say, no, it's about your hashtag. Just do positive, which I'm all about positive vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because even when I did date sugar daddies, here's the difference with them. They were more intellectual to me. Okay. They didn't come to me for the body. I mean, even though I was cute as a button and I did have a body to die for. But the thing <laughs> is, my parents had raised me so intellect intellectual. I had an old soul. Okay. Okay. So all of my sugar daddies, actually it was about three of them, they all were entrepreneurs. And I learned Isn't that crazy? from them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I learned from them. They taught me. One taught me insurance. The other one taught me uh, real estate. And there was another one that taught me finance. Right. And so I mainly piggybacked off what they were doing and how they operated because my father passed away. Oh, wow. And he was a, a, a huge influencer in my life because he was blind. 
Okay. Oh, really? And he was successful like as a blind man. No. Okay. So he was shot in the head. Oh, wow. Yeah, it gets real, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, he was shot in the head and How it was old over. Were you when he was shot? Were I you... was not born. Not born yet. He was okay. 27 so he was blind years your old. Whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had been blind my whole life. Wow. And he provided my mother, you know, she was a gospel singer. She traveled the nation, her group. Were they already singing. together when he got shot? Uh, no. So she met she him. She met him. Okay. After she told me that he she would come to the hospital. She came to the hospital after he had gotten shot. That's so she met it was weird. He and my uncle, my mom's brother, were really, really good friends. So they used to run together. Okay. Yes. In Kansas City? In Kansas City, okay. Kansas. Uh-huh. And so she'd always known of him and but he had gotten shot and then he came to church one day and she was singing and she went out to speak to everyone in the audience and he said she said there was a blind man sitting in the back and she went and shook his hand and he said were you the one singing and and she said yes and he said I'm going to get you I'm gonna marry you wow listen all these guys that you're hanging out with are very assertive they are they know what they want but it's the best thing <laughs> right, ever I'm I like it. so glad I did not go through this dating life I did I am jealous. <laughs> I, girl I am so happy that you right. know when a man wants what they want they go get them right so he ended, yeah, my mother, they ended up being married in 21 years. Did you hide the sugar daddy piece? No. No. So you just knew and you've always owned it? I've always owned it. Because for me, it's just fascinating how I feel like we're in a space now where women are like, we are, want, you know, to be, we're more feminine, more and uh, more feminist than ever, right? Yeah. Yet we're not because of the stuff like Instagram and how we're training up our like Gen Z especially and younger than that um but then I sit here and I go or are we just now putting everything on the table because all this stuff used to happen behind closed doors and everybody hid it Mm -hmm. and now we're just having it out on the table right right so the three guys that you um spent time with probably in today's age you would have been making some some sort of Instagram post, right? Because you would have been 20 and that's just how you communicate. <laughs> and they would have made some sort of comments there like like men do now. So it's just more on the table now versus uh, in the past where a lot of people, not you, but a lot of people would, would have hidden that lifestyle, right? Correct. So it's just, it's just so fascinating to me where we say we've come so far, but we haven't really. We're just, I feel like, being more authentic yeah. to some level. Well, let's just keep it 100. Here's the thing. Men my age were not giving me what I needed intellectually. Right. At all. And right. I couldn't, it was hard to have a conversation. But when I would have a conversation with an older gentleman, they would stimulate my brain. Right. And they would teach me things. And so I became addicted to that. Right. And I also, I became addicted to, you know, knowledge. I became accustomed to the nice restaurants, like you said. And once you get a good taste of it, you look back like, I mean, I know he's my age, but all he wants to do is go party. And I didn't, I'm not, you know, I was more into what, how can I get rich? Right. How can I build wealth? How can I do what you are doing now? Did you, growing up, did your family, um, struggle or was there wealth in the family or do you see that was part of where you wanted to grow you know what my parents made a good living did they they really did yeah my father made pins okay and um they later like writing pins uh uh-huh like writing pins at a factory my mom like i said she owned a bakery okay and before the bakery she 
had traveled as a singing Singer, group. Yeah. So she had royalties. That's why I was like asking because sometimes the singing doesn't. Yes. Right? Some of those and artists professions. After my father had gotten shot and changed his life with God, he opened a church. So he became huge in the sector, the church sector, because he wanted to, God gave him a second chance. Right. And so he wanted to meet his, reach as many of his friends as he could. How did he survive getting shot in the head? All I can think of is God. You know Wesley Hamilton? The, the, the creator. That's it. That's all I can do. Do you know Wesley Hamilton? Uh, you met him? No. He'd be a good person for you to meet. He was shot in Kansas City violence on the Missouri side. Is he in a wheelchair? Yeah. Yes, yes, I do know him. Also survived yeah. and now yeah. is doing some amazing things. So that'd be... Yeah. Is your was... father still alive? No, he is not. He passed in 1995. Oh, that's good. Yes. Um, oh, he, he was 47, so he lived 20 years. 20 years after getting 20 shot. years wow. after, and he became, he became blind. But most people say you would, he would, you would never know it. I mean, he was so independent. He, he'd drive cars. Wow. Yes, he taught me how to play basketball and tennis. Wow. Yes, he taught my brothers how to change brakes, carts, uh, engines. How many brothers? There's three brothers. So he had four kids Five. after Five. Three, oh, and another sister? And my sister. Uh-huh. Okay, I totally forgot. Yeah, there's five of us. Wow. So yeah. he was busy. He was busy. He was busy. Is your mom still around? She is. Did, so did she ever date again or get remarried? She did. She did. And, you know, I, I, I look at my mom now and I see her still trying to find my dad. Yeah. I don't know how you would do it if you find the love of your life. And then they pass away early. Yeah, it was the love of her life. He was the love of her life. And so I see yeah. her still trying to find him and no one's good enough. And Right. Well, you know, hard, hard to live well, up to. If it was that. your father, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, I see that a lot. Even with my siblings, you know, my my sister, she compares her, you know, some she's been married twice. So she compares the dad's, the children's fathers too. Well, if you were like my dad, yeah. you know, he was a great, great guy. Right. And even with us, with others, he took in everyone's children. He taught them things. He was an uncle. He right. was a grandfather. He was all of that to people. But you kind of did that too, right? You waited till you found that? I did. And then it sounds like there's a lot of parallels with him and your dad. Yeah. The way he yeah. knew what he wanted. I wish my entire family wished my husband could meet my my dad. My husband is a very intellectual guy. Okay, he's a historian. Oh wow! Right. So we have long conversations about everything, even from the beginning of the world to what's going to happen in the middle and the end to what's going on in CNN to what's going on in Syria right. to May. We talk about everything and wow. see. That's what I've always been attracted to. The brain, the yeah. stimulation. I mean, we all looks fade, right? right? <laughs> Everything goes me. south. Okay, <laughs> it goes real. You south. try to pick it up, the baby's going back down. <laughs> Midst of that, right now, I I'm get it. I'm telling you. So unless you get you a game plan to keep it up, right. everything is going to go south. And when all of the physical attributes are done, what do you have? Conversation, right? And so that is one of the main attractions that I have to my husband is conversation. I saw this article yesterday. These people are 102 and 105. They've been married 80 years. You know how? They talk about anything. They talk about anything. And he said, they said they always respect each other even when they're fighting. Yeah. I'm in my first year of marriage. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Congratulations. I might be the worst wife ever because I um, planned a little surprise my husband just got a new job, so he doesn't have any vacations. So I was like, I'm going to take the kids to yeah. New York to see some Broadway shows. <laughs> I planned it the 26th through the 2nd. And uh, my husband goes, I planned it. He's like, just let me know when. I sent him the dates. And he goes, 
my anniversary is on the 27th. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He's like, I know who I married. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, you do have to. If he knows who he married... <laughs> I got lucky. That's what he, yeah. I tell you one thing in marriage that keeps this thing strong. Um, each person has to know their part. Right. The man has to know his, his part and the woman has to know her part. And then the Bible clearly tells you how to run a marriage smooth so no one has any hiccups. Right. You know, as long as you do your part, respect your husband, you know, don't call him all out his name and... You know, be there for men like sensual women. They really, really do. If they're having a long day or things like that, they want a, a, a hand rub or a head rub or something just a sweet, hi, honey, how are you? Um, and then even with women, we like attention, right? Or we right. want to talk. Some women want attention. I don't know. I'm not a nagger. Right. Okay, because I could be doing my own thing. But We have very different. We kind of almost have role reversal in our house. But yeah. that was a conversation we had going into it. Mm-hmm. So my husband's very much introverted He's never had kids, so he really likes doing that stuff that I that I've done for so long. But I'm yeah. a little over like running the kids around. Yeah. And so we have so much like your husband. He's very supportive in my career. Yes. Um. He tried to be an entrepreneur. He hated it, but yeah. he gets it. But he gets it right. So he he got a wonderful job recently. So he's like, I understand if you need to work nine ten hours a day, I'll make sure the kids get everywhere. And does That's all the priceless. laundry, does all the cleaning. Girl, I got lucky. Girl, you did get lucky. So you better be remembering that anniversary. <laughs> I got a plan. Okay, but he good. listens to my podcast, so I can't talk okay, about my Okay, good, plan. good. But don't tell me what the plan is, but you better be. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, all why. Uh, but Priscilla's or something, honey. You got to. Got <laughs> I'll to be in make... New York with my kids. Oh, oh no. That's hard to be. Oh, so, but but I got a plan for him back here. So, okay. So, but it sounds like the best part. One of the best parts of your husband is when you wanted to start your business. He said. He didn't. He didn't question it. He said no. he's support you. He said, "Honey, if you want to go out here and sell socks, yeah, I got your back." I said, "I know a lady that's done really well in the sock game." I'll tell you something, honey. The earth is for profit. The right. entire earth. It doesn't matter what you do. Just my thing is do it righteously. Don't do anything illegal. Right. But if you do it righteously, anything can prosper in the earth. I met a man in the uh, at the airport on my way to uh, San Jose earlier in the year the nicest looking like he just had you know when you can just tell people have money but they're not trying to look like they have money yeah but you can tell they got money mm-hmm. right that's what he looked like so this is what i do i just walk up because i want to know what he does right so all i want to do is know what he does and know if there's if there'd be any synergy right one day so we start having a conversation come to find out uh he has done very well but he makes one little part for cars and the only part that this car works on is a tesla and so his only client is Tesla, but this one part Tesla has to have. And for some reason, they've just never made it because it's this whole thing. So this man has made multi, multi millions with one client as Tesla making this one part that he learned how to make. One customer could change a whole life. Right. And he's doing really, really well. Do you know the story about, this is like kind of going off topic, but I think you'll find it fascinating. Do you know the story about the um, Habitat Habitat for Humanity Truman mm-hmm. about the building that they're buying? Mm-hmm. The guy that... I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So I would tell the listeners real quick. There was uh, a man who was in slavery uh-huh. way back in the day, started this the first all-African-American school west of the Mississippi. Uh-huh. He made some part for wagon wheels, somehow learned to make this part for wagon wheels, and nobody could else could figure it out. And so somehow, even though he was in slavery, he was allowed to make these wagon wheel parts and sell them. He bought his wife out of slavery first, then bought himself out, then became one of the 
biggest businesses west of the Mississippi and built the school for African-American students. But he was the only man that had this gift that could make this part for wagon wheels and, and set off a whole um, a whole line of stuff where over here in on the Missouri side and Kansas side, it didn't go down kind of the same path as like the the slavery of the south Mm -hmm. for that so Mm -hmm. that we we cited more like new york and some of those the north even though we're kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. and because this man put so much effort into making sure with this one piece of a wagon wheel so you're exactly right is the earth's for profit like if you can figure out what your gift is you can make it work george washington carver yeah changed the world changed the economy with his findings and his research and no one else could do what he could isn't that crazy you yeah. just got to figure out, and it's hard to figure out what your gift is sometimes for people. It is. Because we're, we're told what it should be. Well, you know times. what? When we're in school, we're told what? To either become a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a firefighter, a policeman, or a scientist, or a teacher. Right. Um, what else is there? But I see IBM, and I see Chase Bank, right. and I see Siege Robinson, and then I see all of these huge marketing companies. Well, I imagine you never thought you'd be in freight in yeah. high school, right? I never thought. Did I, you even know what it was? No. I don't remember knowing what freight was when I was. I did not know what it was. Even in college. Exactly. Really, probably till like the past 10 years. <laughs> the industry that runs the entire world. Right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The world cannot survive without freight moving. I right. did not. My first business I opened, it was called First Step to Beauty. And so what I wanted to do, I wanted to open a charm school. Now I'm able to do it yeah. through the foundation. But oh, cool. it was a charm school that I wanted to open to, and the first step to beauty is what? Your heart. It's how you feel inside. Yes, that's the first step because you can be, you can look good on the outside, but if you're broken, it shows. It shows. And then your action shows that you're broken. If you um, heal inside and let God in inside, then it'll show. You won't even, sometimes, you don't even have to paint your face. Sometimes your beauty will just shine. So it starts with inside, and that's the first step to beauty. Needs to say, it didn't go anywhere. I was 20 years old, I was ambitious. So your first business at 20? Yeah. Wow. 20. Yeah, I told you, I was inspired by a lot of people. Right. Well, yeah. and you're, it sounds like you're just an entrepreneur at your core. I think so. I am too. Yeah. Did you sell anything when you were like in, in like grade school or junior high? My mom's bakery pies. Right. Yes, city market. So, I, <laughs> yes, I didn't do Girl Scouts because I was selling pies right. at the city market. That was my big thing. So, she, I was in, in charge of that, and she used to have me run the bakery. And so that's where my entrepreneurial spirit kind of took off nice. is with her putting me in charge. I was 12 years old running the you bakery. You were so lucky that you got to see a woman entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a very traditional woman entrepreneur, right? A bakery. Yeah. But you got to see it. And also, I got to all see the, it. Like, uh, the grind that she had to do oh my goodness my mom used to work so hard and then she had her hand involved in so much because not only was she in the bakery she had had the group and retired from that and then she was in community work she did a lot of community work and she took in um, she would counsel a lot of people not only that she would be dean of theological schools so I just saw her spread her wings and I remember her working hard to put us through well, I came and I was went to Wyandotte High School, and my brother and I we grew up in Wyandotte, and my sister and brother, but my youngest brother is that the high school that's the Plex Pod now? No, Wyandotte High is in Wyandotte County. Oh, Wyandotte. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry, that's Westport. Yeah, yeah. different W. <laughs> <laughs> and she worked hard to get my youngest brother to Blue Valley. 
Oh, so okay. she worked hard, and so she lived in Steelwell. And I remember the first time I saw her house in Steelwell, when she bought it, I'd never seen a house that big. I said, "Mom, this is seven bedrooms. This is whoa, yeah." It was all it was over a half a million dollars. I said, "How did you do this?" And she told me, "Baby, all the hard work, the real estate." She was in yeah. it. She was in the grind, and you know what happens is I saw my mom when the real estate um, there was a big crash in the real estate. And all I look at her and all I remember her saying is, I wish your dad was here. Mm-hmm. Because he always knew what to do. Right. He did, always did she knew what to do. That? Yeah, she lost her house. She lost a lot of things. Uh-huh. She lost a lot of things with that real estate crash. But one thing I saw is she didn't let it stop her. She, she said, oh, well, you know, that's all material, honey. It comes and it goes. Right. And now I ask her, I said, Mom, you want another big house? She said, oh, child, no. It, it takes too much to clean it. And right. I'm 65 years old. I'm not. She says, but now it's on you. You buy a giant big house, and then you just give me my quarters on the side. And <laughs> I we have a tiny house, and I love it. People are like, we've I've lived in it since I was a single mom before I started my business. Yeah. And people are like, are you looking for a house? I'm like, no, I actually really like this because it means we can't have as much stuff in there. And... uh but there's not as much to clean. I absolutely hate cleaning. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so it's, there's not dirt as much to accumulates clean. in five minutes after you. <laughs> didn't I just dust that? Yes, I know. Like maybe after my kids leave, I'll buy myself a big exactly. house. Exactly. But right now, oh, even my furniture, I'm. It looks so good in my house. I've always, you know, I've always been into uh, Dynasty or um, soap operas because I used to love the way the women lived and the dress. Yeah. I've always been into That's that. So, so but people don't know I've. I've had to patch up my furniture because, you know, I have toddlers. So yeah. you'd never know. And about them, you know how they pull down the string and right. all of that. Oh, my goodness. What are you doing? They jump on it. So, right. you know, they jump on the couch and you're like, get off the couch. But And you have two toddlers. I have two toddlers. So Which I can't. Yeah. And so at one point I had four boys because I took on my sister's kids. I used to help raise them okay. when she was going through her divorces and all of that stuff. It was a mess. Everybody can't handle things. Right. And so her, I took on my nephew. So at one point I had my stepson, my eight-year-old nephew, my 13-year-old stepson, my, at the time, two-year-old nephew, my son, and then I had a little girl. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That's way too many kids. I got two in them. That's all I'm taking Girl, that on. was a lot of children. That's a lot of kids. I so grateful to Jesus for giving me the ability and the strength right. to do that. But I found that through watching my mom. Yeah. 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 She was an entrepreneur. She, she was an entrepreneur. And she had five kids. Five. Set of twins in the mix. And not to mention she had five kids by like birthed five kids. Be, so that is yeah. like a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> and my so dad was blind. Yeah. So she had to be his eyes as well. Right. So that's why I pull a lot of strength from. I'm like, man, if women only knew how strong they are. You know, I see women who are so strong. I, I see when in my um, heritage and my from my nationality, I see a lot of women who struggle. I'm be honest with you. Uh, fathers on around, things like that. And there's this one lady. I know she's got four children and she raised all four children single. Um, she was an entrepreneur. She's part of the PTA. She had a part time job. Wow. And she put all of those kids through college. That's insane. So that's some strength, honey. I feel like I'm right there with you. Like, I don't think that women, especially women that are in. Um, so th- so over by my house, there is a food bank every other Saturday. 
And people start lining up at about 5.30 a.m. just to get food. Mm -hmm. And it's almost all women that will stand in line, including this weekend when it was like negative degrees, however cold it was, to get food to feed their families because that's the option, right? Yeah. And it just, I wish that I knew how they could see what other people see in them. Right. Because that's a game changer for me. It was a game changer. So I have two kids by two different dads and I uh, struggled with depression. Yeah. Really, really bad because I felt like such a failure. Money was always tight. I never felt like I could get ahead carrying that like burden of of your bills and not having any help is 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 hard. And luckily I fell into, you know, owning a business and working. I was always a really hard worker, but. The amount of, one, I don't think my husband would have married me or we would have met or it would have been the right time until I figured out mm-hmm. who I could be without Because somebody, of baggage. Right? Yeah. And so now people say, well, I always really admired this in you. But that was not stuff I could have seen back then. And I I always, so one of my big goals is eventually to start a nonprofit for single moms. So yeah. I can work on that. But I find that very fascinating that you say that too. Like people just... If they could just see. If they could just see how strong they are. Right. You know, you see a lot of big figures who are running the country. But believe me, that those good decisions, a lot of them end bad sometimes. But right. they're pillow talked by that wife. Right. Yeah. You be honest on how much. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wish I could. I just thought of an example. I saw something the other day where it was the wife was making all of the decisions. It was some sort of show or something the other day. And yeah. Acted like they're... If women only knew. Right. Yeah, if they only knew what was deep down inside them. You know, we're always made to seem... I always go back to Proverbs 31. And if you read Proverbs 31, uh, the virtuous woman, right? Mm-hmm. She knits the clothes. She, she makes clothes and she goes out and sells them. She rises early in the morning. She makes sure her kids have everything. She goes out and get the food. She makes sure um, the family is taken care of, so she works, she hunts, she oh. she dresses nice, and it says, the Bible says, her husband calls her blessed. So I always tell women, if you want to be the best, go to Proverbs 31. You know, most people will have would think that we're supposed to be Susie homemakers and in the kitchen barefoot having kids. Right. No, no. This virtuous woman, she made clothes. She sold them to the merchants. She, she's she, an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur, baby. Right. And she came back and she took care of her family. And, and, and her husband is a dignitary as well, but her husband called her blessed. And everything that came out of her mo- mouth was a law of kindness and love and charity. Yeah. And so if women are trying to find their way, I always lead them to that Proverbs 31 virtuous woman because she's covering everything. All the things. All the things. Okay, we've just got a little bit of time left. So um, I want to I talk a little bit about your business. We usually talk a lot personal, which we have, but... Um, Here's my question for you. Are you ready? I am. You're about to go into year three of business. Mm-hmm. And everybody told me year three is where it gets really tough, right? Because mm-hmm. it's fun and it's it's fast moving, but it's fun and it's exciting. It's new in year threes. And I didn't believe them. And then I just went through year three and I looked tired. <laughs> right? What is your plan to nominate 2020 in year three for your business? You know what? I, right now we are um, pitching investors. We've had some investors come look at us. Think we bootstrapped this thing, you know. Yeah. My my main thing is, you know, um, the the borrower is slave to the lender. Right. Okay. So for one, I don't want to ha- be slave to anyone that I borrow money for. Right. Two, it, when it comes down to investors, I'm kind of I'm open and closed. Open and closed. Reason why is because you know, 
investor comes in, places their money, they're God. Okay? Right. That's just how they feel. And I don't have time for anybody to look over my shoulder trying <laughs> right. to tell me what I'm supposed to do. I've made it this far. I've got mentors, you know. Right. You keep that money. But the thing is, cash is queen. Mm-hmm. So we need capital. So right now, we're just trying to figure that out. We are hiring employees every two months. Wow. Yep. How many employees Sales reps. Right now, there's three people. Wow. Okay. Um, there's one... W-2, there's two 1099, so okay. we've got sales agents and things like coming on. Yeah. And so just to come sail, you know what, we're walking 2020. You have your yeah, we're yep. certified. We're nice. walking 2020 this with the same faith that we started in 2017, nice. which the day we launched, the next day we got our first customer. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Isn't that, isn't that pretty exciting? It is pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that same faith. Right. That we have done in 2017, 18, 19, and going into 2020, it's going to be that same faith that we're going to dominate this thing. You know, here's the thing. We're going to take the portion that's ours. Right. I don't want the whole trillion-dollar industry. Right. I can't handle all of that. Right. But the portion that is out there, I do want that. Yeah. And I'm going to let everybody else have their portion, and we're going to grind to get that. How, how did your old company react when you started something in the same industry? So many were happy. Were they? Yeah. That's they were a very, very happy. you were there, though. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them were happy, and a lot of we got good feedback. Oh, my goodness, Jai, you're going to rock this thing. <laughs> this is right. the perfect thing for you to do. Um, the economy needs you. The heritage needs you. The gender needs you. Everybody yeah. needs you. Even the working people need you because I'm more of looking out for the working people. Right. Okay, people who work every day but can't even put $2 of gas in their car just to get to work. That's a big problem for me. And so if I can create an environment where you come in and I can teach you the game of moving freight and you can make money beyond measure, what you even thought, that right there is a game changer to me. So we had a lot of positive feedback. Of course, the company was not, they were salty about it. But the person I really was working for was Freyquote. I wasn't working for C.H. Robinson. I was happy at Freyquote. Freyquote got acquired by C.H. Robinson. And so that's when it went downhill. To say it got more corporate. It got more corporate. Um, to be honest with you, they guys were jerks. You know, a lot of those guys out of Chicago were jerks. And then they were allowing them to talk to us as sales reps like we were nothing. And you're not getting ready to get that off on me on this phone. It's just right. not what's getting ready to happen. You know, I can come to Chicago. I got people. Seriously. And they were cussing at us on the phone. Oh, Very. Wow. Oh, yeah, honey. It got real. It got real. They were attaching crappy drivers to the to the fray, our customers. So they were just looking at more bottom line. It was all bottom culture. line. It was all bottom line. It was no good culture at all. So when we went out, everyone kept saying, you're going to be the new Frey quote. You're going to be the new Frey quote. And I'm not going to turn that down. Frey quote was the best place I had ever worked in my right. entire life. How'd you end up there? A girlfriend of mine told me about it in okay. 2008. She said, you should come work at this job. You'll love it. The owner's super cool. He's getting ready to celebrate 10 years. He's kind of like a hippie. He's, you know, innovative. Yeah. And everyone loves to work there. She loved going to work every day. So I did it. I said, okay, well, let me go in here and uh, try. And so she tells me about a young lady named Amanda Eberts, who was the human resources director there at Freyquote. And she said, now, when you go in there with her, she's very trendy. So you make sure you dress very, very cute. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So one thing about me, I listen, I execute. So I did. I went in there pretty trendy. And her and I just, it wasn't even the trend. Of course, she said, I like your shirt. I said, okay, good. Got her. Right. Great. But I wanted her to see more of who I was and my abilities. And so when I interviewed, 
she wanted to recruit me for sales, but all they had open was customer service. But I told her, I said, I don't care. I just want my foot in the door. This is a hell of an opportunity. I've never even heard of freight. So I got hired and started in customer service, which was the best thing for me because I learned the basics of it. Right. Okay. So I had to go through the training and learn the basics of it. And then when I saw transportation and I saw the tankers and the vessels on the ocean and the air freight, I fell in love. Really? Oh, my goodness. I fell in love. I said, this industry, you'll never go hungry in this industry. Right. It's always got to get in. Yeah. If trucking stopped three days, the grocery stores would go empty. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did I get in it for that, then I saw, I said, I want to make a change in the sector as far as the drivers. A lot of drive, a lot of people dr- treat the drivers like crap, okay? okay. You be, used to be surprised. Shippers slam the door in their face, cuss them out. Um, the truck stops, a lot of them suck and they're dirty and they don't have, you know, There's much. nothing better than a good truck stop. Girl, though. don't you when need a When you're doing on a stop? road trip and you settle and you find one of those, you stop to get gas and it happens to be one of those truck stops where they... That's yeah. like a good one. Yeah, there's nothing. But I end up, I end up shopping there. Like there's such good stuff. There's such good. We'll stuff. like hang out for what my kids will play in the arcade. Some of them. Some of them. No, just the good ones. Just, just when you get ones. around the good right, ones. Right. Right. So we're trying to improve that with all of the truck stops. Working on better health for the carriers. So I took a liking to my customers. They have to get their their things you know move but then the carriers I started to take a liking to them even more because they're on the road. Right. Even with bad weather, they're out here risking their lives to deliver the freight. Now, could you be a truck driver? Me, no. I'm going to tell you why. What's that? I spent the night one time in a in a truck. Yeah. Because I just wanted to. It was like my goal. And my mm-hmm. friend uh, became a truck driver. I hate road trips so much. <laughs> but I was like, maybe if I like, like saw it and I couldn't, I couldn't even sleep in it. And it was like nice. I had a bed. And mm-hmm. just for me, I like every noise outside, I couldn't do it. But there's a lot of people that I think could. There's a lot of people not that me. could. I hate road So trips. these guys live in the truck. Yeah. They live in the truck. Like that's their only house? That's Well, no, they have homes, right, but they're but on they the road. Right, but they have like the fridge. That's what my friend had. He had a yeah. fridge and a bed. Bed, fridge, yeah. yeah. They go to the truck stops. They shower there. Right. You know, you see a lot of goes on at those truck stops, girl. Right. But, <laughs> but I started taking a liking and a concern for the health. Yeah. Of them. You know, I keep seeing a lot of fatigued drivers on the road, uh, deaths and things like that. I said, well, if they had better health. Right. Yeah. Then they wouldn't fall asleep. Or if we didn't push them to drive. Yeah. You'd be surprised on how a lot of these customers and, you know, that's one thing that we do. We take care of the carrier. We take care of the customer and the carrier. Right. You're not going to talk to my driver like he's nothing. Right. You know, be just being you're not going to risk his life just to get your freight to the road. What we're going to do is we're going to schedule this at adequate time for things to go. There's so many people. We live in a microwave world and everybody wants it fast, 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 you know. And yes, drones are able to move small boxes, but they can't move couches. They can't move, you know, uh, big giant signs and, and concrete. They can't. They can't move beams. Right. Yeah. So everybody wants a microwave world. So that's where I'm coming into the plate to set all this straight, give fair pricing, uh, make this an industry where everything is honest. We're honest about everything. You know, we pick up the phone. We've got, you know, we're going to look into in the next year putting a tech platform with us. Oh, nice. So I've got some engineers that I'm talking to with that. And we're just going to, you know, turn this industry Back to where it's supposed to be. Right. It's terrible right now. It's full of greed. Um, do you see Amazon getting into the freight 
business. I've seen Amazon trucks coming around more. Well, they need lately. to. Is it crazy that they're not completely in the freight yeah, business? Yeah, right they now? need to. Let me tell you something. It's such a big, giant industry. Even the largest um, of the transportation providers haven't even touched 6% of the industry, wow. honey. Yeah. Wasn't there a freight company a couple of weeks ago that, that just uh, declared bankruptcy and left their drivers? 4,000 drivers stranded. 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 Why did they have to declare bankruptcy? Uh, you know what? I hate to get into that. We can all read the article. It's out there. Like I said, greed sometimes takes takes a hold of so people. So it was more the people at the top? It was more the people at the top. That's hard. Making bad decisions. Yeah, that's really hard. Yeah. Pocket money, baby. <laughs> you know. And how, so do you get a hold, I mean, if you're another freight company and you see something like that, do you say how can we get some of their customers and some of their drivers and give them a better home? Of course you do. Well, you put right. yourself out there, but there's no pressure to it. You know, right. there's a lot of people lurking to try to figure out who your customers are, things like that. We're not like that. Right. We have sales reps. They go after their, you know, we go after potential clients and we do our grind just like the next man. We're right. not sleazy and trying to find their customers. A lot of customers, they come to us, they hear about Mays Freight and they hear it's a referral process big time now, you know. It's a referral. You did such and for something for such and such foods, and we'd like the same thing that you did. Right. And then we prove our worth, and next thing you know, they're shipping all of their freight with us. And like I said, we're transparent. Yeah. So I tell anyone, we yes, we are on our third year, and yes, this is a trillion dollar industry. But honey, Jai is broke. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm broke because what do I do? I take every revenue dime that we have at this point we're still putting it back into the customer back into the company back into the company and my my big thing is i make sure everyone else eats you know the people who are sacrificing every day for for maze freight solutions they come in i I take sacrifices i don't care i'll make sure they eat and they get paid and they get what they need before i do and that's just how i roll and so now we've created a culture where you know the people are knocking down our doors to work for us right knocking down our doors awesome. right now we just need capital so that's where we're at you know trying to find the right capital i'm not just going to take anybody's right. money you know because i don't have time for you to try to tell me how to run this company which right. i will i can take on the mentorship but this is this is jesus and i you know this is jesus yeah. and i running this thing on a righteous level i wanted to go so far i wanted to go You're more like very. silent partners yeah i need the silent i need part. a silent partner yeah. You know, we can write that up in the contract. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you want to talk a little bit about this book you wrote? I do want to write, talk about, you know, my husband and I wrote a book called uh, Finding Your Toddler Ambition. It's a different approach to entrepreneurship. Okay, so on the book cover, they see two children and they think, oh, it's a kid's book. But no, I'll tell you where this came from, this title. I watched my son and my nephew ride their bike, learn how to ride their bike on their own. And they fail. So many times. Right. Okay. But they got back up. But they they? Got back up. Mm-hmm. You see that? And then like what it. they also did was they built their own ecosystem of neighborhood kids to teach them how to rest. So they went and got mentors. Okay. Like it. To teach them how to do it. And so I took the concept. I, bet, I said, you know, finding your toddler ambition, that means a lot. Because when you were a child, you could do anything. Yeah. You, you didn't fearless. know the boundaries. Yeah. You didn't know the boundaries. You were fearless. It didn't matter what. It, if people told you you couldn't fly, you say, yes, I can. I, you get on top of the bed and you jump and you say, I'm flying. Right. Yeah. And you knew that you could conquer anything. You always have futuristic thinking on what you want to do. I mean, we talk about a young girl and she, her princess, you know, her castle. And she's going to tell you every detail all the way down to if it's going to be a bubble blowing dragon or a fire dragon, right. you know, 
dragon. And and even with the children, as far as going to the the pools, you know, they put on the floaties. They want to take them off. They think they can do it. They go to the deep end, but they're fearless. Right. And if people could pick that same ambition up and put that back into them building the business, they'd go a lot further. Right. Yeah. And so it talks about building your ecosystem, mentors, your friends around you, always seek help. It talks about building a better. It's a simple guide to building a successful business. I love it. Okay, say the name of it one more time. Finding Your Toddler Ambition. Nice. It's a different approach to entrepreneurship. And let's see, it's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, the author, myself, Jai Mays, and I'm going to read a little bit of the back. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so here it is. My definition of Tyler Ambition is that sense of youth that makes me feel that I will not stop until I do it. I want to keep trying and trying until what I want to do is accomplished. My inner ambition wants to impress my mother and my peers and even others who, done, who do not know me. Yet if they see the tenacity which I put forth, that just in my efforts they are motivated to improve their lives or pursue their own dreams and ambitions in life, I want to show them that toddler ambition that says, I can do it, I am big too. I like it, and those are your kids on the Those front. are my two little babies, yes. And, and so see, cute. I'll tell you the backstory on this. I told them they couldn't have any chocolate chip cookies. And so my son, I busted them. This is them in the busting them eating cookies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. And so he built, he went to the kitchen and he took a chair and then he also took um, the drawer out of the cabinet, uh, that, not the cabinet, but the drawer out of the counter yep. and made a stair. Okay. So he could get to so it. So he can get to it. And then he climbed up on a refrigerator and I went into the bathroom and they're sitting on the tub eating cookies. That was nice of him to include his sister. It was. He got her one, too. I said, well, there you go. But that's the cover. And so that ambition is a big thing. A lot of people don't have it. And that can be found on Amazon. That can be found on Amazon. Okay, last question. Ready? Mm-hmm. What's the one tip you would say for a woman that that thinks she wants to leave her corporate job and start a business? What's the one piece of advice you'd give her? Do your research. And make sure that what you're doing, the return can come in pretty fast, what you're right. doing. Because even cash, businesses eat cash fast, right. you know. And I know a lot of women that they jump out there on a limb. Let me tell you about my plan. I'll tell you what happened was. Here's what happened. We had a plan to open the business the next year. But we opened, we went down and got the license for it in April. Okay? okay, April 21st, it was my husband's, his birthday is the 22nd, and so okay. we're going to do it on the 21st, we're going to do it. And the f- business was first put in his name, okay? Right. And why is that? Well, you know, I'm thinking, I doubt it myself just a little bit. Yeah. Male-dominated field, maybe I put a male in front, things like that. Well, what happened was uh, my job found out about it. And so it wasn't the plan to jump right in. My plan was to open it in April and then we'll get started in January. Right. No, I got fired. And so now I had to, I couldn't fail. How did they find out? No one knows. You told somebody that told them. No. The, the environment was so bad. Yeah. I think they, and people were leaving. I think they were just checking okay. to see. And to see if anybody was out was here making it. plans. It, it was a very, very bad environment. Yeah. And so I, you know, the little birdie came to me and said that they were looking. Okay. They were looking. And so I would hope no one would, you know, say anything. That's, you know, can't trust anyone, just can't God, trust right? Any, right? You can't trust no one, honey. You just trust God. So everything you say out of your mouth, you got to be accounted for, right? So you think do research, but be prepared. Be prepared. Right. And make sure you can 
have a good return right on what you're doing because if you don't you you can go down the drains right you know i i had i ended up filing bankruptcy i had to you know it was a lot that when you're in business and you've got your all into it i'll tell anyone this is not easy right what we do is not easy and i know we see the glitz and the glamour but but that comes yeah that comes later when you've worked so hard but when you're in it, you know, there is a lot of praying. There's a, there's a lot of screaming. Do, do you hear me? Can right. you help me? And, yes, I, I'm not ashamed of it. We had to file bankruptcy. We had to give up a car. Right. You know, we went down. We had, it was a two-car family. Had to go down to one car. We had to move into a town home. I lost my house. I lost my car. You know, but I never gave up on this because I knew that this was something that could be big. And nothing comes without hard work. Right. You know, sometimes you got to lose to win again. Right. I was okay with that. It was nothing but a bunch of material. Right. You know, it's just a bunch of material. And we get caught up in buying material and the the biggest this and the biggest house. It's not even about that. It's about creating jobs. That's my big deal. Creating employment, changing people's lives, and doing something in an industry where women were not even allowed for a while you understand us and this is a male dominated industry for sure but now we're carving out our niche in it it's great well that is amazing people can connect with you on linkedin yes they can connect with me on linkedin we will uh link it here that is it for this week's cocktail hour do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman do you know a woman in business who is shaking shit up send your recommendations to hey girl at cocktailhourpodcast.com make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends we share our stories to motivate and inspire you. So spread the love around. Until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour. Thanks, Jai. Thank you.